you want to it's the Ron and Don show starring Ron and Don and sometimes me at ronanddon.com Hey you guys what's going on welcome to episode 441 now of the Ron and Don show and heck yeah we are live from the Les Schwab studios What is up Ron and Don nation Hey coming up on the Ron and Don show people are losing their minds right now about student debt forgiveness and I'm going to talk to Ron see if he had any student debt and I in fact, I have no clue. I, I got through school with scholarships, so I never uh, I never graduated from college, but at the same time, I never created any debt for myself. So we're going to talk about that because it seems like a lot of people feel like this is President Joe Biden. Thanks, bud. My son just brought me a spot for a Watermelon mint should be good. I know. Uh, a lot of people feel like, hey, here comes the midterms, and he is out buying votes. Is it true? Let's talk about it. Also, Mark Cuban, he's going bananas right now for the bananas. And if you don't know who the bananas are, it's a new baseball team. He tried to buy a Major League Baseball team a number of years ago. He says now he wouldn't do it, but he would buy a team like the bananas. Because of that, I went out on YouTube and I watched them the other night. And I could see why he'd want to buy the bananas. Because, guys, I watched every single inning. And now I, like Mark Cuban... I'm bananas for the bananas, and we'll tell you why. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Uh, I just got back from a little vacation with my son, and we were talking a little bit last night about who some of our favorite artists are. And he just got back from vacation, seeing his grandparents back in the Midwest, his little cousins. And what's interesting to me is these young boys, 12, 11, 10 years old, when you ask them, uh, their favorite groups or some of their favorite artists are, you know, it's not The weekend. In fact, uh, The weekend was here in Seattle, Lumen Field, and I guess the concert was awesome, you guys. Uh, I was blown away by this fact. When he, when, when he was back there, in fact, we were uh, just coming back home, and we had about two hours in the car together, and I said, what do you want to listen to? He wanted to listen to the Beach Boys. So hmm. that's who he listened to. Nice. The Beach Boys. He loves the Beatles. He asked me who I love. I played some John Denver for him. He was not impressed. And then I told Good. him the way that John Denver died, Rocky Mountain High, but he wasn't quite high enough in that plane. And the day he died, I cried, but that's the way I learned to play my uh, guitar, listening to Glenn Campbell. John Denver, I had those guitar books. So I don't know if you guys grew up with music books, but that's the way I learned to play with the chord charts. Still wasn't impressed with that. And then I told him about Bruce Hornsby and the range. I love Bruce Hornsby. I've shared this story before about the Fields of Grey. It's a song he wrote about his twins when they were brought into the world. It's a song that played uh, in the suite where my son was born. It's Swedish. And I won't go into detail now because I've gone into detail many times before. But it's a song I was very touched by because it's a, basically an oath that he took as he wrote this song that he would make to these boys saying, hey, as you're growing up, life is not black and white. And as your dad, I'll meet you in those fields of gray. Uh, Ron, you just jumped in a car with a good friend, Scotty. You went to Portland. 
First thing I asked Scotty, I know you guys went to see uh, Bruce Hornsby down there, and he also, I, I guess he had a, a sold-out show here in Seattle. I said, Scotty, how is Fields of Grey? And he's like, well, after two and a half hours, he didn't play Fields of Grey. What a ripoff. So maybe at 67 years young, uh, Bruce Hornsby is no longer thinking about fatherhood. Uh, what was the concert like? I watched some I of it online, and, and, and uh, it looked like... A lot of fun, and it also looks like he has some amazing musicians. Oh that man, his band was super tight. The, the thing that got me about this, and you know, I've sort of been thinking a lot in terms of like you know stages of your life and transition points, and especially after uh, I shared that book with you about Paul Simon, uh, of how his work kept sort of getting better and better at a time when most artists are going down. I didn't know what to expect with Bruce Hornsby. We we've seen him way back in the day when he was still, you know, touring on like the Harbor Lights album and the Way It Is album and and stuff that he had a lot of radio airplay and he did that song End of the Innocence with Don Henley that was a huge hit. So he had a lot of hits and a lot of radio airplay back when radio airplay really mattered and his music videos were on MTV when they played videos. So you and I had seen him then when we worked in San Francisco in the late 90s. He came in in studio uh, and he happened to be going to the music station, but he's directly related to Rogers Hornsby. He's a huge sports fan and he was a big athlete in high school. Bruce Hornsby was uh, recruited in college to play college basketball, but he ended up going to piano instead. So anyways, he came in, popped in. We did a, a chat with him and and because uh, we we sort of demonstrated we were big fans. And then I got to be honest, I, I didn't listen to every album since then. Oh. Like when the range broke up and now he's with the noisemakers, like it's sort of, and then he played with Grateful Dead for a long time and I'm not really a deadhead. So it's sort of like Hornsby kind of went, I, I would still listen to some of the old stuff, but I, I wasn't current on him especially through the grateful dead years like it just wasn't my thing and we've been to a grateful dead show and it's just it's not for me and i and i've heard him talk before he's on the tonight show also we went to see him in puyallup we had an opportunity to get up on stage with him and 300 people and, and dance and jump on the piano he's playing the accordion it was it was that, a lot of fun maybe was in the year 2000 or something yeah so it was a while he, ago it was before that because we were in arizona in 2000 he said that and I've heard him talk. He doesn't like playing in live arenas, and he doesn't like being the guy. He just likes leading the band, and he likes writing music, and he likes when people like Bonnie Raitt come along, and maybe they record one of his songs. In fact, he used to be in Bonnie Raitt's band. Yeah. And so he, he's the, the thing that was struck me last night that was really amazing, and and it sort of inspired me to be this way. Is he is still extremely open minded, open to new ideas. In fact, the band that opened for them that he he sort of recruited them uh to to be his opening band is a is a trumpet duo and one of the guys in the they played trumpet and french horn over all of these samples and drum machines and one of the the guys that's in this band is also in uh boney Vare's band who of course a worldwide sensation but it just to me it was like wow this is very experimental music bruce is really into it he brought him uh on as the opening act and brought him on the stage and then he brought him back did he bring him back he brought him back and oh, it's it. it it was very interesting music and so the thing that just got me though is that he is still he's not resting on his laurels like we've all been to that show, uh, you know, over the years. Just play the hits, man. Where like a, a band play will come hits. out and they just yeah. they go through the jukebox, uh, they play the song. It's usually at a casino, 
and they get their check and they're just off to the next county fair or whatever. Steve Miller band. And, and they and it's yeah. not that they were bad. Like yeah. a lot of times it's entertaining, but they're just and they, and I don't even know if I'd say they're mailing it in. They're doing the thing that they're known for. They're they're the vanilla ice cream or the McDonald's of heritage acts. Like you came here to see the hits. We're going to give you our, I did. I actually just went and saw Pat Benatar recently and she, she's 69 years old. She still has a great voice about her. And she just, she goes through her catalog and like, that's the show. And there's nothing. People loved it. People she loved. Didn't, she didn't try to force a new song in there. No, I mean maybe she did like one, but like, like when she, Rat and Motley Crue play, right. for instance, who wants to hear a new Rat song? <laughs> exactly. Nobody. Nobody. So Pat Benatar, she sounded great. She's lovely, and and she's just sort of she gave you the Pat Benatar experience. Hornsby is still. You can tell he's still striving. Oh. He still wants. Like I sent you a clip today. Uh, of I think Apple lets me send 90 seconds out of the seven minute version of the way it is. Mm. He still played the way it is and it goes off into, into like a multi-minute improvisational jam with him and his mandolin player. And then the band comes like he's going in and out of these themes and, and he's got the chops. Like you can tell that he's a jazz guy. And at one point even joke, like he throws this chick Korea thing in. So he, he goes into these extended exploratory jams. Yeah. And um, it was inspiring in a way where it's like you can tell that he has consciously made a choice. And I heard him interviewed recently on Brian Koppelman's podcast, The Moment, where he just talks about this. And he's like, I don't have to do this. Like, I, I have enough songwriting credits. He's like, if I'm going to go out there and and strive, he goes, it's only fulfilling for me if if I'm challenging myself and I'm doing it. And some of it goes back to like, I didn't realize he was born a very, or he was raised a very strict um, Christian scientist. And six out of the 10 songs on the first record, he co-wrote with his brother. And his brother is a talented musician and songwriter. And then uh, in between the first record and the second record, I believe, his brother decided to basically go into a monastic lifestyle. He gave, he walked away from worldly, worldly possessions and riches. Kind of like Cat Stevens. And yeah. Bruce was a little bit challenged by that. Not because he lost a songwriting partner, but he's like, wow, like he's taking his spirituality uh, very, very seriously. And Bruce never drank, never did any drugs. Like he was very, you know, straight and narrow in a lot of ways, but he happened to find music that really opened up his mind when he latched on to like Chick Corea and some other artists that really challenged him. And it, he's still walking that path. Like he's still striving, you know, well into his sixties to not only hang with a bunch of younger musicians, which he did. Did he? And he also had one, guy that looked older than him on on b3 yeah, so. so he had this very big range of ages 
Um, but like he's surrounding himself with new ideas, surrounding himself with younger people, different kinds of instruments, different kinds of instruments. He brings out the guys from Bon Iver. He's going to open up for Bon Iver, uh, on some shows where he recognizes at this point in his career that like, he's not the headliner anymore every time that he doesn't, doesn't bother him. Like, he's like, I love what they do. So I'm going to be second or third on the bill. Uh, and then Bon Iver is the headliner. Whereas a lot of musicians would be like, if I'm not on the, if I'm not the head of the marquee, I'm not going. That's the way I am. That's why I quit playing. Right. Yeah. That's why the band broke up. So I, I think to me, it was an object lesson in like, you, when you feel like you're stuck in a rut or you feel like, you know, you're, you're relying on that thing you did. You know, he, he wrote way it is. It's that song's 35 years old now is doing the math. Yeah. Like that's a, a lot of people go through life and they're relying and on it, that thing they did yeah. 30, 35 years and ago. And a lot of cool artists have covered it. It's been sampled by uh, rap artists. And it's he actually amazing. did a thing at the end of the show where he samples Snoop Dogg because Snoop Dogg sampled him. Yeah. And then he improvises over to drop it like it's hot beat. That's cool. And it was really cool. So it just, it just sort of reminded me that like, it's okay to embrace what you did 20 or 30 years ago and to be proud of that thing you did 20 or 30 years ago, but change it, evolve it, make it something new, like put energy into it in a different way and don't just rely on the fact that, hey, yeah, remember that time I did that thing? That was cool. I'm going to coast on that yeah. forever and in memoriam. And it's like, no, reference it, have fun with it, embrace it, be known as the the people that did that but now move it forward and challenge yourself yeah love that hey you guys see in two minutes on the other side of this love that hey it's ron and don here for les schwab if you've been thinking ah maybe i can squeeze in one or two more road trips this summer the weather's been so great why don't i drive out of town at least for the weekend if you're gonna do that before you go why don't you do a free pre-trip safety check with les schwab you can schedule one right now at leschwab.com. So just go to the website, schedule that appointment, and then they're going to check out your tires, your wheels, the alignment of your car, your battery, brakes, and shocks. Nothing worse than being out of town in the middle of nowhere and you have a problem with your car. Get it checked out for free at Les Schwab. And if you need any work done, they're going to let you know. Right now, if you do need new tires, you can save up to $200 when you buy four select tires with Les Schwab Financing. That's Les Schwab Tires, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. When the Martin family wanted to buy a house in Seattle for their son, Connor, after he got out of college, they turned to Ron and Don. Sent a message in their little portal. Got a message back within about five minutes from Don, and he set up a phone conference for about a half hour later. About two days later, we were out touring houses with them. Before they started working with Ron and Don, the Martins kept getting outbid. They just didn't realize how competitive the market is, but the guys worked tirelessly to find them the right house and then came up with a winning strategy to get it. They said, if we go in at this amount, we think we can we think we think can jump ahead and have people close before uh, they intended to. And sure enough, it worked out. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. And now their son has the perfect place for him and his two dogs, and the Martins say they couldn't have been more impressed with Ron and Don. I think both of them said at some point when we were apologizing at how many houses we looked at, said, we love looking at houses. They didn't hesitate to jump in and make this the house for us. It, they seemed very enthused for uh, you know a deal to get done and for us to be successful. And that felt really good. They were passionate and they, they were just honest and straightforward and uh, no, everything's great. Uh, you know, I definitely would recommend it. And if you're ready to buy like the Martins or sell, your journey starts with a Ron and Don sit down at ronanddon.com.
Hey, it's GeForce O'Neill. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to, to the Ron and Don Show. Again, we are licensed brokers. If you need us, all you got to do is uh, reach out. Yeah, you can go Ron at ronanddon.com or go to ronanddonsitdown.com. It's interesting. I just did a sit-down uh, with some folks down in the South End, and it's a woman. She wants to team up with her mom, and they want to buy an investment property together awesome. uh, to sort of be a force multiplier on their cash flow yeah. as their you know mom is retired and she's looking at retirement. And so the cool thing is we started looking at a couple listings and then we met with Mitch from Mitch.loans and he's like, all right, let's tap the brakes. Let's make sure we get all of our financing together and in order so that you don't get super excited and out over your skis and then you cannot do the thing you want to do. So we have a process to help you if you're a buyer, an investor, or you're selling and it starts, just just reach out to me or I can send you one of our playbooks. Yeah. All right. Uh, and you can write me to Don at ronanddon.com. Everything is at ronanddonsitdown.com. I, I, I'm going to try to frame this question in such a way that we don't go down the road of lining up on either side of student debt forgiveness. And I'm going to ask us all, including myself, to be better listeners and a little more open-minded. Uh, today, my son and I just had a few days we got to spend in Suncadia. And then after that, we went to Cleelum and we got some Dairy Queen. This is what kind of blew me away in Cleelum. It's a lot of yes, sir, and no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. People wave at each other when you drive by. People thank each other. People are courteous to each other. People talk to each other. People know each other's names. When you go in the bakery there, there's a great butcher shop there that I'm sure many of you have been in. And uh, and then there's also a great Dairy Queen, too. Uh, and, and when Let we, me guess. Peanut butter parfait. Uh, no banana split. No, we, we, we have been Heath bar blizzard guys and Oreo blizzard guys for quite some time. And anytime we travel in the summer, we always uh, stop on the way. So we stopped there on the way there and we stopped on the way back. What was interesting is I gave a $20 bill. I think, I think our bill came to 15 bucks. And so when I tipped the person in the drive-thru, they were so courteous. They were so kind. They were a little blown away by it. And, and I, I try to really, since the pandemic, I, if I have a 20 and the bill's around $15, $16, I really try to give that to service workers. And what I found is that service workers really appreciate that. But not so much here in Seattle. People, you give them a tip and they're like, oh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's a different experience in Cleon. The other thing that we noticed, and I took pictures, and I'm going to write about this for our newsletter, is we drove around three blocks and driving around those three blocks, I took pictures of 17 American flags. And I would say, and these weren't big blocks. Some of the, it was house, house, house. American flag, American flag, American flag across the street. The Dairy Queen had American flag. The United States Postal Service had American flag. And you may say, well, the United States Postal Service always has an American flag. No, it doesn't. Not the United States Postal. Uh, I go to three different postal offices. I was at one today uh, here in Seattle. There's, there's no American flag. In my neighborhood, there is one American flag that flies. And I didn't just put it up because we were doing this segment. I, I put it up all summer long. Uh, Memorial Day, Labor Day, the 4th of July. I leave it up through the course of the summer. And when you got here, you can see that there's an American flag that's flying off my house. 
And, and the reason why I fly the American flag off our house, I feel pretty strongly that the American flag belongs to all of us. It really does. And for some reason, we have all stopped listening to each other about the American flag, about pronouns, he, she, it, them, they. We have really stopped listening to each other about student debt forgiveness. And it's interesting because when you go on Twitter, you go on Instagram, you go on Facebook, people are just, once again, and, and just like when, when Trump and Biden and Hillary and everyone was running, people once again, here we are in the middle of summer, and they are going for each other's throats. And my God, you know, I sit here and I paid off my student debts, and now uh, you get a freebie and I didn't, and am I going to get a discount? People really going at each other. And instead, what I did is I, 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 I decided to contact some people that had their student debt forgiven. And I don't even think we should talk about it on this show. But, but I learned things that I didn't know that I didn't know. Like, I didn't know that student, student debt is sold to companies and who these companies are, what they do, what the rules are, what the rules aren't, what the interest rates are, what people really pay. Uh, it's astounding, you guys. It was just, And all I did is I asked a question because I was curious. I was curious and I wanted to learn. And one of the reasons I stay curious and I want to learn, to be honest with you, is because I'm around Ron a lot and I'm around my son. They are two of the most curious people I know. And when a topic comes up, Ron will go deep and he'll read about it and he'll talk to people about it. And he'll I I, I and it's something I really respect about him. He he will listen to people. So right now, it seems in this country, uh, we're we're talking about the Mar-a-Lago, and everybody has thoughts on that. We're talking about the pronoun situation, or kids are going back to school and college and everything else. Uh, I had a mom the other day losing her mind because her son in school. And in the, in the last, her, her, I won't say what her last name was, but she, she wrote me on Facebook and she was livid that she, he goes to a local university here and he was asked what his pronouns were. And she wrote this thing and I, and my family and I'm putting, and I wrote her back and I said, you know what is, I'm just curious. How old's your son? Oh, your, your, your son's 18, 19 years old. Isn't this his monkey and his circus? Or is this your monkey in your circus? Isn't this an opportunity for her, him to stand up and say, hey, I, I don't want to share my pronouns, and this is why. Or, hey, you know what? I'm going to share my pronouns, and, and, and this is why. Isn't this an opportunity for him when he's face-to-face -face in a class setting? Because let's face it, when we are on social media, you guys, we're all so bold until we actually get in a room face-to-face -face with somebody that has an expectation or appreciation. Uh because they've gone through this pronoun battle maybe their whole lives. I, I just, I'm driving around Cleelum and, and I'm like, why does everybody in Cleelum have an American flag up? And how come here on Queen Anne Mountain, there's one per, and I'm not, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just, it's a fact. You can drive around, and we, I did today. I did not, I drove around all around Queen Anne Mountain. I, and, and I ride my bike around it. There is not one American flag on this mountain. So anyway, it just shows me how divisive even the flag has become, pronouns have become, now student debt has become. And Ron, I'm just wondering, is this, is, it, 
whose fault is this? And, and how do we come to a place with another election looming? And I'm telling you, you guys, I can't go through it again. I just can't. I, I don't think any of us can. And, and, and politicians want to create division and create problems because then they become the solution. They really do. All our years of doing news talk radio and really knowing people and getting face to face, we are so similar than we are. We're, we're not that far apart. We're just not until, in, until we become divided by people that want to lead us and they lead us by creating a problem. And again, they're the solution to that problem because they're going to make America great again. Or Joe Biden's going to step in and stop the guy who's trying to make America great again, right? Or Hillary's going to step in and she's going to break that glass ceiling. I was just driving home. I was thinking about those 17 American flags and I was wondering why I don't see them fly here in Seattle. And and yet we're 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 all Americans. Uh, the student debt thing has been fascinating to watch. Um, it, I kind of folded in as I've been thinking about it. I, I sort of folded into the bootstrapping myth that that you and I used to subscribe to, and then sort of learned that that wasn't really a thing uh, that we wanted to affiliate with. Meaning that I look look at me. I did it the right way in air quotes, went to school, got my student debt, I paid it off, and now you fill in the blank with whatever blank they're thinking of. You're gonna you're gonna skate by or you're getting a government handout, or you're not doing it the right way, the way that I did it the right way. And and I've bootstrapped myself to where I am and I have no privilege. I think it's part of that narrative. But the thing that's interesting to me, and I, I just went through a book, um, Malcolm Gladwell just compiled a bunch of his essays on uh, education system in America. I, I highly recommend it, especially if you do audiobooks at all. Um, it's really well done, and it's, it's a brand new release from Malcolm Gladwell. And he really convinced me of a thing that, that I hadn't really thought of. When you stop and think about education in the United States of America, the fact that we have allowed it to become education, higher education, so anything past high school, the fact that we don't even question that this is education for profit and the model that we've allowed to be built in America, uh, where you it's all about endowment size and scarcity and test scores and all these things, we should be ashamed of that. So not, not only in my mind is the... The forgiveness of this debt is a step in the right direction. Rethinking our, our, our education system should be the next up on the docket. If you're really an American and you're a patriotic and you think you're a patriot and want to hang that flag out uh, in front of your house, think about this. Is our country as a whole better or worse if we lower the barrier to higher education? If we make it more affordable to everybody or free, when you go around the world and you look at the, the countries that are making strides in terms of technology, in terms of, uh, you know, healthcare, life longevity, happiness, all, all the med productivity, whatever you want to measure by most or if not all of them do not have an education for profit system. They just don't even Canada. You know what happens in Canada when you want to go to college? You go to college. 
It's not it's not a thing where you're like, oh man, if I don't get a 1700 on my this test score and then if I don't get into Harvard, then I'm not going to be able to go to Goldman Sachs or if I'm not, you know, a, a pseudo cum laude or however you say that, you know, at Yale, then I'm not going to get into the big law firm and then I'm not going to make a million dollars a year. Like that system is an American system. And you think about you know, Stanford or the University of Washington, or you think about uh, Harvard or uh, MIT, all of the, the Yale, these schools that I'm rattling off, the, you know, Harvard's endowment, I believe is over $40 billion. Wow. <laughs> the, 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 their endowment, That's crazy. which is tax deferred. They pay no taxes yeah. on the endowment and they pay no taxes on the gains they make on that endowment. And yet they come out and they're like, oh, we're sorry. You know, we really need to cap enrollment here. Uh, there's no way that we could have, you know, we can't admit another, you know, thousand kids uh, that maybe are lower income. Sorry. Like, it's just, it's not going to, it's like, really? You, you can't or you won't. Uh, you know, University of Washington, I remember when they were firing all these people in the pandemic and we talked about it here. It's like, I think University of Washington's endowment is in the $5 billion range. It's like, you, you're going to you're going to fire all of these people because student enrollment or student attendance dropped because of uh, remote learning in a pandemic. So you're just going to fire the human capital and make sure you preserve your endowment. That's the model we have. So the more I've been convinced, Malcolm Gladwell is pissed about it. Like he grew up in Canada. He doesn't get it. He, he, has, he goes deep in this book. And at the end of it, you're sort of like, wow, like I didn't think about it in that way. I, this is, we're in an endowment machine. And, and even if you don't agree with him, at least hearing a different perspective before you rip into somebody and go, you know what? I went to a trade school and I paid for it. And now I'm going to be taxed because this isn't free and money's not free. And Joe Biden's out buying votes. And you know what? Maybe he is. Maybe he is out buying votes. Would you, do you think a politician would do that right before midterms? <laughs> Maybe. But I think really just having a sense and understanding that the most, most important things to all of us, do not have two sides. They have 18 sides. And why can't we celebrate if someone like, why can't we celebrate where it's like, I paid full freight, but you, you're you not? That that makes me happy. See, and I, and I don't, and I don't even know if I agree with that. Like I, like you're, you're, cause, cause, cause I'm, I'm not necessarily giving you my opinion about it. What I'm trying to do though, is Ron and I are sitting, cause he said some things that I don't agree with. But but I but I'm not going to sit here and fight him. I'm not going to. I'm. That's after the show. Yeah, we're going. We're go, going I'm to the go, mat. I'm going to go on social media. Don's got go. boxing gloves right here <laughs> next to me. I'm like, and I'm going to destroy. It. All I'm asking, all I'm asking, is the next time you see something on social media or in your own family uh, or friends in the neighborhood, whatever it is, and and it's something that you have a reaction to. Why don't we tap, tap the brakes, gather more information instead of reacting, we respond. And ask yourself this, what if I'm wrong? Yeah. Doesn't mean I, that you are wrong. You are wrong. We're all but wrong. What if you say- We're all wrong about a lot of things. What if you allow it some space? Yeah. What if I'm wrong? Yeah. Yeah. What if America does belong to Cleelum 
And 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 what if it doesn't belong to Queen Anne? You know what what is that? I, what it is to me is it is it shows how divided we are because we all know that in a place like Cleelum, you're going to have people that are leaning more to the right. And why are you leaning more to the right? Hey, I I'm from the right. I'm from a place like Cleelum. I lived in a small town like that. My dad was a truck driver and a volunteer uh, on a volunteer fire department. I lived in track housing, right? I like I come from a place like that. You worked so, at a yoga witch shop. <laughs> so I so I get it. I understand it. I appreciate it. And I got to tell you, when I saw all those flags flying in that little town, uh, and 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 some people may think that I that I lean to the left on uh, on a lot of things now. I think you'd be surprised. The reason why people think I lean to the left is because I sit here and and I ask questions about both sides. And sometimes that's what people want to hear. I'm I'm just curious. I am curious. And and when I saw that today, I didn't think to myself, America and a bunch of Trumpers here. I thought, you know what? There's some real patriotic people here that love their country. They love this little town. They love their neighbors. Uh, and I thought it was a really cool, beautiful thing, you guys. Let's try to get back to that. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, people start the loan process, and for a lot of folks, there's a huge amount of anxiety because they think, oh, man, my credit score is jacked. I am not going to be able to get a loan, or if I do, it's going to be a really bad rate. Can you help with that? We sure can. So the first thing we do when you take an application, if you're ready, is we pull your credit and we run it through our credit repair program. And they're going to give us a whole bunch of guidance on how you can quickly jump your score up. So I, we had a client recently who actually was able to a jump. A Ron and Don client, I might add. <laughs> it sure was. And she was able to jump up her score 60 points and actually get into the premium pricing range. So she went from not that good a rate. 60 points is no joke. It is no joke. And we do that frequently. So make sure you call us quickly because a lot of people who don't think they can get there, get there quick. All right. So there's no need to be ashamed. You don't have to feel like you're hiding under a rock. There's going to be no judgment on this. Go to Mitch.loans, start the process, and get the ball rolling. He he could probably most likely get you a credit jump as well. Mitch.loans is the website. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys. W- welcome back to uh, the Ron and Don Show. And before we get out of here, uh, I don't know if you've been watching the Mariners. I am so thrilled. And at the same time, I got to tell you, so bored. I mean... <sighs> Just Major League Baseball is boring to me, you guys. And, and, and let's face it, when, when you go to a game and your team sucks, it sucks. It just sucks. You look at the Oakland A's right now, and they suck. And they say that they have 10,000 people in the stands. It's supposed to fit 36,000. There's about 2,000 people in the stands watching the Oakland A's right now. Because watching a baseball game is worse than watching paint dry. It really is. And I just... I just painted a fence and had to watch it dry and turn around, and paint it again, put four coats on it. Uh, watching paint dry, not that fun. And, and and the same with Major League Baseball. One of the problems with Major League Baseball is there's not a lot of kids playing baseball anymore. It's because you just go stand out in the field and it sucks and you're bored. And for a lot of kids, especially if you're not really good, the really good kids and usually the coach's son, right? Because the coach is coaching, that kid gets to be the quarterback. That kid gets to touch the ball every play. He gets to be the running back, right? He gets to be the wide receiver on a football team. On baseball, you know, usually gets to be a pitcher. And for the kid who struggles, 
he gets to stand out in, in right field or left field or a field somewhere where you know that kids can't even they can't even get the ball out that far. So I my son played baseball when he was younger and and they put no time limit on these games. And it was horrific because they would have the pitching machine pitch for the first half of the game. We're talking like eight, nine-year-old kids. And then they would let them live pitch. The only exciting thing about the game, and this sounds horrible, is when they would have to call the medical staff to come out, which is usually a parent, because the pitcher, who's nine years old, just whacked another eight-year-old with the ball because you stand there at the plate and you have no idea where the ball is going. So that's – and no one really hits the ball. They just sit there and you have kids that are standing at the plate and you're just hoping to God that you don't, don't get smacked with the baseball. So nonetheless, fast forward, you look to most of the stars now. Most of the stars on Major League Baseball teams, they aren't kids that grew up playing baseball here in America – they're from other places around the country and around the globe. That's why I think it's so funny when people say Babe Ruth is the greatest baseball player ever. How could he be? He never played anyone from the Dominican Republic. He never played anyone from Cuba. He never played one damn black, black player. Uh, and, and people are always saying how amazing he was and that he was the best. How could he be the best? Maybe he was the best white player at the time, but you think about some of the players today, some of the greats and where they come from. And most of them, like Ichiro, they have to have translators because they, they come from other places where that's all they have is baseball. Well, I have to tell you, there's a new kind of baseball out there. And I don't know, have you watched the Bananas play? I did not watch it, but I've, I know I'm aware of them. The yeah, Savannah you, Bananas. It's a, it's a team that you got to try out for. And the Bananas travel around the country and they have another team. They're, they're basically the Globetrotters of baseball. And the stuff that these guys do and girls, and some of these are old major league ball players. In fact, they have one guy out there who they thought was having a heart attack out on the mound. I think it was a little skit they were putting on. He was in Major League Baseball for 14 years. The stuff that these guys can do, and they're acrobats, there's all kinds. If you, if you love the purity of baseball, you're going to hate your guy. One of the rules of the bananas is if you hit the ball into the stands and one of the fans catches the ball, you're out. Right, I love that rule. <laughs> There's a time limit, right? What's that? There's a time limit on the game. There's a time limit on the game, and I love this so much, and I was watching it on YouTube, and I was curious. And the next thing you know, I am tuning into like ESPN, the Ocho, to watch these guys play. And they say what they're going to do now is they're going to expand it because they just have a couple teams. And what they may do is expand it to 20, 24, 25 teams around the country. And people like Mark Cuban, who owns the Dallas Mavericks, he's a billionaire. You've seen him on Shark Tank. He has stepped in because he really likes to 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 step in and think about it. When he bought the when he when he when he bought the Dallas Mavericks, the NBA was really struggling. There weren't a lot of billionaires out there that wanted to buy ball teams, but he was one of those. And again, as I said at the top of the show, he wanted to buy a major league baseball team. The Cubs. That didn't, what's that? He wanted to buy the Cubs. Yeah, and that didn't work out for him. But he said he'd be totally interested in buying something like the Bananas. And I have to say, when I showed this to my son, he's like, man. That is cool. And if you asked him, you want to go see a Mariner game, even though the Mariners right now are red hot, would you like to see a Mariner game or a Bananas game at 12? He's all about watching the Bananas. So. Yeah, I think that the – and Cuban's on the cutting edge. So he's bought into a lot of like eSports uh, franchises and uh, cutting edge stuff like that. So it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, Major League Baseball is in a pickle right now to mix uh, fruit metaphors. 
to where they need to get more offense, need to get more scoring, need to get the time down. They, their, their, their incremental changes are not fast enough for my taste. I agree with you. It is difficult to watch a major league baseball game and they are, you know, doing, well, maybe we'll do a pitch clock where you have to throw a pitch every 19 seconds. I think it's like, I guess that'll help. But when you and I grew up and I have distinct memories of this games were an hour 55, Yeah, two hours, maybe two hours, two hours and 10 minutes would be a long game. Wow! Like they got out there, they played the game because it was a game of the week on uh on the on the on the tv yeah. and they they wanted it to be done so nowadays you know games can go four hours four and a half hours so i think it's a good step i'm gonna go watch the video though of the savannah bananas because it does sound it's great like something i'd want to see yeah you'll love it hey you guys thanks for listening to the ron and don show you want our newsletter just write us at ron and get signed up thousands of people have done that and uh, we've taken some time off this summer, but we will be rocking and rolling as we head into the fall. Uh, we share some of our real estate stories or just some of our personal stories, some personal pictures of things that are happening in our lives, or maybe some things that you have shared with us. It's a way for us to stay in touch with one another. Because, yeah, we love being your realtors, but we also love being your friends and your broadcasters, too. Also, don't forget, if you need us, if you need to sit down, we're sitting down with a lot of people right now. Because even though interest rates are a little bit higher, it means it's taking some people out of the market, which means it's time for you to step up and step in. So we're pretty amazed at some of the homes that we're able to buy right now for buyers. And these are homes that we were not able to buy in January, February, March. And if you're a seller, don't worry about that. Because as long as you have a realtor that comes in and you don't overdo it, a lot of people end up spending a lot of money on a rehab that they shouldn't spend. And then you try to get that money back out when it's time to sell. You should only be spending a dollar when you can get $2, $5, or $10 back. Okay? And all the rehab work that I've done, all the real estate that Ron and I have purchased and bought over the years, we are experts when it comes to that. And we'd love to do a sit down and then come out, visit your property, walk the property. In fact, we're going to do one tomorrow morning uh, right here in Seattle at 9 a.m. and kind of walk through the property and say, hey, let's come up with a strategy. Also, people this week have said, I'm selling next spring. When should we meet? We should meet right now. At, right? Or yesterday, because it, it does take a while to get all this done and planned out if you want to be successful. Yeah. You can slap it together in, in nine days if you want to, but we would prefer it if we have a, a longer runway than that. All right. Everything's at ronadonsitdown.com. We'll sit down virtually, find out if we're good teammates. And sometimes we're not. Sometimes we'll suggest, well, hey, maybe you should go talk to so-and-so. Or if we're going to be a teammate, Let's do this thing. Let's do it together. Okay? Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show, you guys. We appreciate you, and you are listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs>